He taught me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. To infinity and beyond! No crying? There's no crying in baseball! Welcome back to Know Your Cinema Podcast. This is episode 36. Today we are going to be reviewing the movie Mallrats, written and directed by Kevin Smith. And as always with me is the one and only Vivin Matthew. Vivin, say hello to the fine folks out there. Hello, everybody. And also with us as well is the one and only Jason Quinn. Jason. Hello, hello. All right. Uh, Before we get into our review of the movie, I do want to let everyone know that we do have a Facebook page, Know Your Cinema Podcast. We also have a Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find those all at KYC Podcast. All right, let's jump right into it, gentlemen. Um, this was Vivin's movie, so Vivin, you kind of hang back a little bit, and, okay. and we'll we'll talk about our our fanboy uh, love of Kevin Smith movies. Um, Jason, I'm going to go ahead and ask you. You got to watch this movie this week um, again. How was it reliving the 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 greatness that is Mallrats? It's um. It's like a it's like a blast from the past of a movie, man. Yeah, I would agree. It's just it's like a, it's like witnessing a moment in history that doesn't exist anymore, and it's kind of it was kind of a neat trip, but down like a uh, living time capsule. Yeah, exactly. Like it just felt. Uh, I mean, the storyline itself isn't maybe isn't the strongest of of all of his movies by any means, but I feel like like. Like you said, it's like a living time capsule. It just it, it feels it feels truly to it to encapsulate like what you know suburban teenage life was, or you know early twenties life was during the time period. <clears throat> and I think the 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 set pieces are fantastic. Um, the characters are amazing and quirky and ridiculous and uh i absolutely i think the and the thing i love most about kevin smith is his dialogue i i can't get over it's just like some of the sometimes like you know you could say the cat ran across the street but the way kevin will take that same sentence and just like it's like clay in his hands and he just molds it into something special i just absolutely am drooling over that dialogue throughout this whole film. And I know it's just dick jokes, but it's such good <laughs> dick jokes sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I, will agree with, I will agree with the dialogue in one sense. And, and it seems like in, in, as Smith movies have evolved in the VSQ universe that the dialogue still remains the same. However, the actors have learned to slow down the dialogue. Is in is in this movie a lot of the dialogue was really fast, like they were talking super fast just to kind of get their lines. And I know some of them were 
you know, they weren't seasoned actors, but some of them were, and they were still speeding up the dialogue. So I enjoyed the dialogue itself and what was being said, but sometimes it was really fast. And it's like, okay, if you weren't, if you, I hadn't seen this movie a couple of times, then I wouldn't have known what was said in this, this scene. So to the average fan watching it for the first time, it might be a problem. Um, it, and like I said before, yeah, it's a living time capsule. It, it helps that Smith got to make a movie inside of a working mall at the time that had uh, certain shops were shut down and certain shops were open and, and the whole architecture, you know, this isn't like a movie being made today where you'd have to go back and you'd have to take pictures of an old mall and you'd have to kind of like decorate it to where it would fit in that 90s style, so to speak. A lot of bright colors, um, certain shops that don't even exist anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The characters, every character has its own place in this, um, this movie. There's a, there's a couple of stories going on. There's one main one, but then we have sidebar stories that are going on as well. Um, it's a really good movie for what it is. Not, not wholesome in any way, but I mean, it has that now for us. I mean, who grew up in the nineties, we have something that's kind of, like I said, a living time capsule. We can look back at this and we go, man, that's what we, we did. We went to the mall we hung out, we, you know, went to the food court, we, you know, just perused the mall for everything. So, right, again, I, watching this movie, I just, it brought back so many good feelings of, of a time period. Absolutely. Even, even the, the, um, I can't remember what the hell the guy's name is, but the bigger dude that's staring at the picture the whole time. Ethan Supley. That dude, who is ripped as fuck now, by the way, right? Um, <laughs> he is that. I, those pictures, I still remember those fucking pictures, and I also feel his pain because I can never fucking see what's in those goddamn pictures either. I, I can't either. I'm one with you in there. <laughs> I never know, and like it's just every like he pops up so many times throughout the movie. And then it's just like everybody's like, "Oh, it's a sailboat." He's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> no, and I, I love that I shit. Love, like, I it's love, just I love the scene where where Shannon Doherty's character comes up to him and says, "Oh, it's a sailboat," and he turns and looks at her and goes, "Brenda," and she goes, "Dick," which was an improvised scene because Smith told him to say that, and he didn't tell Doherty it's coming, and so that's a real reaction from Shannon Doherty. Nice. Well, the moment of truth has come um, for Viv to give his honest opinion of this movie. This is your first time viewing. So, Viv, the floor is yours, sir. Okay, so the first part of Jason's comments, um, I wholeheartedly agree with. It is definitely a 90s time capsule. Uh, took me back to that era. I feel super nostalgic about it. And the movie definitely, uh, I mean, obviously it wasn't intentional. That's what I was trying to do. But so many years from when it was created now, it just feels like like the 80s movies. And especially the times that we are living through right now, it just seems so simple and so easygoing. You just, uh, you just... Heart, you just yearn for those days again. So it definitely fulfilled that kind of need for escapism that I was looking for this week, um, just even for, you know, just a little bit. 
so I really enjoyed the movie. The story, I I thought it was good. I the, I liked the setting. I liked the characters. Uh, Kevin Smith definitely has a way with his dialogue, and um, uh, it overall it does work for me. Uh, I do have minor quibbles here and there, but overall, you're right. He does that. That is probably his strongest point. Uh, his his ability to just write really um, good um, dynamic dialogue that just kind of really just it plays so well. Having said that, my quibbles with the movie has to do with what Devlin pointed out, which is I also felt this, and I think he does get better at this as he does more movies. But in this movie especially, uh, the I'll pick one actor who I really felt was for me just not selling it the performance at all. Uh, it does get better at the end, but the first half of the movie I was struggling through it with with his performance, not the dialogue, his performance of it. It was Jason Lee's performance. It felt it felt so one note, like tonally he seemed to be just semi screaming through his performance. It. it he just would be performing the same way each line of dialogue. It doesn't seem like he was actually... It's what um, Devlin is saying, where you have in the later movies where you have seasoned actors who who is listening to the partner when they say a, a line of dialogue and you can feel like the response that's coming is... Uh, it's coming from the character. Instead here, it's like, oh, I'm listening to this great piece of line that Kevin Smith wrote, except... The performer is not selling the line. I feel like they're they're just saying the line, and I kept struggling with that. And part of that, I think, also falls on Kevin himself as a director. I just feel like he was not very strong as a director as of yet. So his blocking was just so he he just would plop the camera, put the characters right in front of the camera. There was no dynamism to his blocking or how you kind of create some energy to the scene or some tension. You can, even with dialogue scenes, there's so much you can do with it. And he seems to do the most basic thing possible with those scenes. It still works because the story is a very nice hangout movie. So I'm not expecting a lot out of it. And where I really could tell that what I was, uh, why things were not working is with the scenes that were working, which was with Kevin Smith. Any scenes that had him and his friend in it, I'm sorry, his name is uh, skipping my mind. What's Jason Muse? Those two, when they're on screen, because they have a natural chemistry, the riffing and the their banter comes off so smooth. It is so natural. It's so fun to watch, and it's a little bit more visual too. He seems to suddenly have an easier time directing also when he's directing himself well, uh, well it's easy to it's easy to come off smooth when you're making movies with your friends i mean that's, yes that's, that's true that's, that's true that's, and, that's and jason muse being jason muse with the volume turned up and it <laughs> i don't even know that the volume's that turned up anymore like compared to who he is now i don't even think the volume's that turned up in this movie like let's be honest that i've seen that dude do crazier shit like now than he does in this particular film, maybe in like I just, I just some think of the, that like, the I think that the J the J character has has evolved 
has evolved over time. I mean, literally going from Clerks to this movie to Chasing Amy to Jay and Silent Bob, it's evolved. It really has. Did, did Chasing Amy come after Mallrats? Yes. Okay. And to be fair, Jason yeah. Lee, I don't, I don't want to try to to just put the banner up for Jason Lee. And this was his fourth movie, and this is the movie that really made him uh, a, a star as far as like getting bigger and better roles and TV roles and stuff like that. Yeah, because his his roles before this were things like uh, male drug customer. Oh, okay. So, oh, that's the, that's the title he was receiving. Okay. Yeah, and, so. and and to be honest, I think that. Once you see the whole spectrum of the VSQ universe, you'll understand the the character of Brody and how he is. I think that Muse, or not Muse, Smith, he always takes real life people and makes them characters. And I think that with his, sometimes with his direction, he says, "This is how you should portray this guy." Because okay, because Brody that... is a lot of like how Smith is in real life. Yeah, because he because he. Smith collected comics and opened a comic book store and, and did all these things. And so a little bit of that character is him. And that part of the authenticity of his writing really comes through, right? It's really authentic. It feels like it's coming from a place where he knows the story that he's talking about. It's not something that's so fabricated that him as a writer has no connection to it. Uh, when I was looking at Jason Lee's character, I could immediately imagine a, f a person from my high school who was a replica of that character and literally wanted to i was trying to imagine the scenes with him in those scenes and i was like oh my god just cast this guy i knew from high school he was the exact person who needs to be in this role he probably he even reminded me a little bit of ryan reynolds right? in certain roles the jason uh sorry the the um the lee character uh and I, I, do you think that these steps movies have a certain trope of that specific type of character being in them? I just think that I just think that Smith he he takes very real life stuff from his adolescence and his growing up in, as a teenager in Jersey, mm -hmm. and he brings them to the screen. And then when he you know he did that, it, it evolved, and he he's like, well, I got I'm gonna make more movies, and I'm gonna create this whole universe like Star Wars, and I'm gonna make these characters and bring them back and, and have, make them have parts, but they all have a little bit of Kevin Smith. And like, he doesn't want to act. That's why he's always silent Bob. Um, oh, okay. Most of his movies, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be the director that's trying to, you know, steal parts and steal lines. And I, I, I don't feel comfortable with, with, with talking. So a lot of his parts is not that when he plays silent Bob, he, he's not really talking much. He has like one like line or one very like, uh, brilliant moment in the movie. I I didn't realize that he talked this early. I thought it was much later that he ended up talking, like in Clerks Two or something. No, he talks in Clerks. He talks in every movie. He's just always like one little. He talks in every movie. Oh, okay. Only says like. Okay, so it's like there's a one specific moment <laughs> where he ends up talking. Yeah, and it's almost like after you watch enough Kevin Smith movies. Eventually, it's something you look forward to. Okay, uh, like that the moment when when Silent Bob talks, it's usually it becomes one of the moments in the movie that you're that that hits you the hardest most of the time, in some in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's like 
super funny, super meaningful, just something. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say the 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 scene on the in in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back on the on the Hoover Dam is not really is not really uh, insightful. It's just funny. <laughs> right, but it's probably like the funniest scene in the whole damn movie, and one of my, one of the funniest scenes in the whole damn movie, in my opinion. It's true. It's very true. I I did like the reversal that he did with uh, Stanley giving the super life advice, and he really that scene is performed and uh, shown to the audience as as if that's exactly how Stanley believes, and then the reversal which comes, I was like, okay, there's the little bit of kind of Kevin Smith touch that I was looking for, so. I really enjoyed that that little reversal right over there. I do have to give it to Stan Lee for that performance. Um, even though he was reading off cue cards the whole time, he he, he gave a stellar performance in that. Just that tiny little scene he was in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it with people reading yeah, off more... cue cards and being really good at it? Apparently, Marlon Brando did the same thing in Godfather. He would not learn his lines. He would just post cue cards all across the room and just read it off. Um, must be a thing. I mean, I What's that? You can't argue with with greatness. Yeah, I guess. no. If you're so good, you're like, nope, no. It's, <laughs> I, I just, I just got it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just roll the camera. Well, and you got to also before this is before uh, Stan Lee was really a big name outside of comic books, right? Because he was just a comic book writer before this movie, really. He wasn't really known for like this is one of his earliest movie appearances, if not one of the first. Yeah, no, that was interesting. It's not like he has like this bit part where he's saying one line or a small cameo. He, I mean, yes, it's a cameo, but it's a lot of dialogue right there. That's a solid scene in there. Yeah, (laughs) it was interesting that they uh, Kevin made uh, uh, Ben Affleck Buttman. So. Definitely, yeah. I was like, "Oh, harbinger of things to come." Well, did you also did you also catch the uh, homage to Jaws? Oh, uh, getting proposed. Well, that's one, but okay. there's actually four. So, two of the characters. One of them's name's Brody, and one of them's name's oh, Quint. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. Then on the Very comic nice. book with um, uh, with uh, the care uh, the uh, Jason London's girlfriend's character it's that the fire that she's running out of actually if you look at it it makes a shark okay yeah all right was now did kevin smith ever talk about any of his uh influences for this movie because i was automatically thinking of some of john hughes's work uh and i was like i was wondering if kevin smith was drawing inspiration from any specific um, filmmakers or any specific. Uh... Well, there, there's 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 homages to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is at the end with all like the what happened afterwards with the lettering. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Fast Times did the same thing. You're right. And then there's homage to the Breakfast Club with the dialogue and how the scenes are shot like individually with like clips of the mall. Yeah. Over top of it and the song playing, so that's an homage to the Breakfast Club. And he mentions John Hughes. In um, uh, Dogma as well, there's a there's a whole big scene where they talk about John Hughes. So yeah, Kevin was influenced by Jaws. Um, it's I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason. I think it's the movie that made him want to be a filmmaker. 
Um, oh wow! Okay. And, he, and he references yeah. it in every movie. So, um, um, he, um, but yeah, he definitely. You're absolutely right. He definitely. Um, he, he definitely um, references you know a lot of movies within this movie. Batman. He references. He even references the Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight hadn't come out yet because in the second set of blueprints, the the plan for the for the to wrecking the stage yeah. called the Dark Knight. So I mean, we got Batman homages. We got you know, um, we got uh, Breakfast Club. We had John Hughes. We got Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, we've even got uh, references to Tombstone in this movie uh, when. Oh, you got to spell that out. Where is the reference? So when the casting, the, when the casting assist or the 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 assistant to Mister Spinning comes up to the guys in the back and he says, um, "You called the thun- down the thunder. Now you've got it." Or that line, oh. that line from Tombstone. Yeah, because oh, I remember that line. Okay, because the guy who played Spinning was in Tombstone as well, Michael Rooker, who by the way plays some of the best bad guys of all time. Um, I just had to throw that out there. Like everything I've seen him in is absolutely great. I don't, the, the guy does not get enough credit that he deserves, man. He, he, he is a red for it. He was having fun with this role. He was just chewing the scenes left and right. And Honestly, I was like, I you think know what? His acting was cause he didn't, the dialogue, he didn't speed up his, he was the only person I didn't think sped up their dialogue in this whole movie. And, and maybe Joey Lord and Adams, but that's it. And Ben Ben Affleck didn't speed up his stuff either. But he had to be that kind of cool, laid back kind of character. Yeah, was that on purpose that his suit was so big, or was that a '90s style? Yeah, thing? Very '90s style. It was. Oh like, my god, it was horrendous. It was like coming out of the '80s and like, you know, you know Miami Vice sports jacket. You know, oh, okay. And he worked for a quote unquote fashionable male. <laughs> Looks so bad to me. I mean, but yeah, I mean, looking back, I mean, it was like uh, seeing some of the 90s style. I'm like, eh, it was kind of grungy. Like Brody kind of represented kind of and, and Jeremy London's character or Jason London's character, rep, you know, um, represent kind of like the grunge look. Um, Jay and Silent Bob kind of like a, a, a rocker punk look. I mean, everybody kind of had their like different looks about them. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was kind of like a medium uh, you know, of, of the, the style of the nineties. So Jason, are you still with us, buddy? I, I know we've been, I know we've been, me and me and Viv been having, you know, back and forth here. Um, anything you want to interject here as far as the, this movie goes or anything we've been talking about? No, I mean, I, uh, I think, uh, I think I mean you're doing. I mean you're you're you're, you're speaking the truth. I think the only thing that I would like to inter, in, intro, intro, introduce interject 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 Intervene. that's the word I was looking for. Thanks. Jeff. Uh, is <clears throat> I know you guys had an issue with the speed of the dialogue. I don't know why, but I really love that. For some reason, like I just absolutely love the speed at which the dialogue is said and i think that the reason why is because it's such a smart like a lot of the times like it's very intelligent like humor but because it's said so fast to me it comes off as like like authentic 
Like it doesn't feel like two people reading dialogue. It feels like because he's saying it like quick and quippy that it feels like real to me. I don't know why. I, I, <clears throat> I know that it does get a little bit better as the movies go on and Brody becomes a much more dynamic character in later movies. But wait, wait. I love. I absolutely. Let love me hold Jason you right Mance. there. One second. Did you? Say, so is Brody a repeating character? Most of the characters are repeating. Oh, characters. okay. All right, go on. Yeah. Um. There's even offshoots of the. Yeah, that's why like, it's... Uh, the Hicks. Like, there's uh, Dante Hicks. There's Gil Hicks. There's Grant Hicks. Um, they all kind of make cameos in the movie sometimes. Um. Dante being the most formidable one, but um, in, in other movies you'll see that. And then there's a Brody, and then there's uh, uh, there's another. He plays a Jason Lee plays another character called Banky Edwards uh, in later movies. Interesting. Okay, so I okay I was under the impression it was just Jay and Silent Bob that are the repeating characters. Mm-mm, no. Yeah, and Banky's Banky's. I think. I think Banky's probably a little more uh, more dynamic than than Brody is. So I think because that's the next movie that Smith does is Chasing Amy. So I think I think you'll get a a better appreciation. Uh, remind me again, which one is Banky? Banky is the it's Jason yeah, it's Lee's. B- Banky's Jason Lee's <clears throat> character in Chasing Amy. He oh, okay. Is, he is That's the, a different he's character. A okay. Yeah, he's the co-creator of the Blunt Man and Chronic Chronic characters for a comic book, and the whole okay. story evolves from there. If you haven't seen Chasing Amy, then you'll you'll understand it once that that story. That's that's one of the more serious uh, Smith movies where he tried to dive into a little little bit of humor, a little bit of serious romantic comedy. So hmm. okay, very interesting. It's a, uh, it's a much, it definitely sets up all of the later. I mean, I think, all, I think, I think Clerk sets up this movie to an extent, but not well, no, too it much. Does, it you know what I mean? Because it's actually, this movie takes place the day before <clears throat> Clerks in the View Askew universe because Julie Dwyer, the chick that was swimming in the pool and had a brain aneurysm, is the chick that um, Dante and Randall go to the, her funeral. So this is actually this is actually a, a a like almost like a Star Wars where it's like a a, a prequel to Clerks because it's it takes place the day before in the View universe. I never noticed that. I have to rewatch Clerks. Yeah, again. and they're talking when they come in and say Julie Dwyer died, and they're like, "Oh, I gotta go to her funeral." And they're like, "Nope, it's nice one day funeral." And then they go, but and, and then they reference that in the beginning of this movie where she was doing the laps in the pool and had a brain aneurysm. Wait, so that is a <laughs> character from the previous movie? Julie Dwyer was not actually on on screen, but she's referenced in dialogue. Oh, okay. Um, in the in Clerks one in, in Clerks one, so that's I, I was I was thinking that when I was watching, I'm like, wait a minute, so that would have to have taken place prior. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, most definitely. I also find um, I also found that I, I wonder I wonder how far ahead Smith thought when he was making this movie, or if 
a lot of the things that happen in this movie that are later on, like, play bigger in some of the other movies. I wonder if they're things that he thought of then or if they're just like he remembered putting that in the movie and was like, well, I'm going to I'm going to take this and put it as a subplot or a, a bigger thing in this movie because I put it in this this previous movie. I wonder if it was like <clears throat> he was looking ahead and added some little things that he wanted to do later or if it was just you know him referencing old shit. I would I would guess it would be the the latter. And I I thought that too, but some of it's like <clears throat> one specific thing that I'll have to get to later because I don't want to like I feel like it takes away from some of the one of the it's it's actually like a pivotal plot point of one of the movies but he references it in this movie and it's just a small little throwaway scene but I wondered because it was it's such a specific scene that happens in this and then it becomes such a bigger part of a later movie that it makes me wonder if he actually thought, well, hey, if I ever get to do a movie about such and such, I want this is to be a part. Is it at the end when they're when they're? Okay, it is I at the end. Exactly what you're talking about. End of this movie. Yes, I think I yeah. think that I think that there was always a I think if I remember reading something about it, there was always something like he had a Jay and Silent Bob movie like idea. And that, and I think he probably—I don't know—I think he probably went back and referenced what you're talking about, Jason. So I know exactly what you're talking about at the end of this movie. Yeah, that's why I just—I'm curious. So, I mean, obviously, he started doing this kind of, for lack of a better term, building a universe out of the characters that he's making for each of these movies before really anybody else was doing it. Was this a direct inspiration from his love for comics and how they serialize things and you had all these characters who would show up in other uh, storylines? Is that where he got this idea from? Has he spoken about it? I'm sure it's like I'm sure it's like a combination of comic books, Star Wars, all that stuff because he created a whole universe. So it's like, you know, the Star Wars universe. We, we With watching the movies from one to nine, we, we got introduced to different creatures, different characters, different ships, different... Um, plot lines, you know, we got introduced to a bunch of them, and he keeps, you know, he brings them back within his movies. Um, yeah, but what's so interesting about this is each movie is like it's not like the same character is the starring character, it's like somebody else. It, you know, Star Wars has a coherent mm-hmm. like Anakin Skywalker and then Luke Skywalker are the protagonist, then you mm-hmm. have Han Solo and Leia, you have the staple of the main characters and the mm-hmm. sub characters and you're rotating through them but here it seems like he'll it's even more it's 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 done more delicately I, I i like it when it's not so obvious but it's like you see dogma but you can still kind of or clerks and you still if you're smart enough or if you're attuned to what he's doing then you know that it's all connected well, that and that's what that's what the beauty of the Jay and Silent reboot was for me and Jason is that we got it's like a it's like a love story for us fanboys of Kevin Smith because we got so much so many jokes that only anybody that's seen all of his few movies would get. Gotcha. 
Okay. So once you once you see all yeah, of these movies and you watch the reboot, that's why we yeah. didn't invite you. <laughs> we mentioned that, yeah. That's why we didn't invite you because you wouldn't have you wouldn't have appreciated the jokes, and we didn't want to ruin that movie for you, right? Because you wouldn't have you would have been like, "Oh, this sucks," or "This I don't get this," or you would have been kind of lost, like what what's going on. So we wanted to make sure. Well, I honestly think that that's how half the people in the theater with us thought because there's most a lot of the like me and me and you were laughing like the whole yeah. fucking time. And like we're the only two people laughing through like because it was it was so movie. good. I mean, I I can't <clears throat> help but laugh at all the corny jokes and references to to the movies that that Smith threw in there. I mean, he basically <laughs> he basically wrote <laughs> the the same movie but just added a bunch of fun references in there, and it worked, and it was so good. So I don't want to like I said I don't want to give a review till we have we have Viv watch it, but. Yeah, I definitely want to wait before I see that movie. Yeah, yeah. That, that, like I said, once we get you through the View Askew Universe movies, now I've you, now let me make sure I got this correct. You've seen Clerks, and you've now I've seen s- Mallrats. Yeah, you have not seen Chasing Amy. No. You have you seen Dogma? Yes. Okay. Have you seen? And you haven't seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I think I have not. So we'll just say no. Okay. And you've seen Clerks too. Yes. Okay. So we have two more movies to bust out, and then we can get to the reboot. So okay, no, I, like I, like I said, I think that with with this movie, it's uh, it, it is in the beginning when I was talking about it, it is such a like a it's it is a it is a it is a living time capsule of something in pop culture and in in, in a way of living that we don't ha- really appreciate anymore i still like I-, I love going to the mall but the mall now here in columbus is easton and it doesn't have the same feel as like an older mall i mean when you go in the main building it does i mean it has the, that feeling but it doesn't have you know that real kind of you know old school mall feel to it but it is well, it is great to see that in a yeah, on we film. we might be lucky because I don't even see because the many other parts of the country that I've been to, Eastern might be one of the few places as far as a mall that can hold out yeah. much longer. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the River Valley Mall, which is in Lancaster. Um, but, oh yeah, and it has you know it's got that great mall feel too because it's old. I mean, it that yeah. mall's been there since as far as I can remember, growing up as a kid. And you know, of course, there's the Eastland Mall, but it it's a ghost town. <laughs> is that is is that mall actually have stores in there? As far as I know, it still has stores in it. Like it has a, <laughs> I think it has a Foot Locker in it, and maybe that might be it. I don't know. I haven't been in there in a while, so it looks haunted. I used to I go. I used by. to go there to get uh, Steak Escape, which is Philly cheesesteaks. Oh, all, I remember that all the time. Yeah, because yeah. there was one still in there, and that was like the only one around Columbus. And it left, so I don't go there anymore. <clears throat> hey, for the record, if you want that steak escape yeah. hookup, I, I, I got you. You got me. I know where. I know where give, one's give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that four one one. There's there's one on Hilliard Realm right by Roberts. Word. Bet bet I'm going yep. tomorrow to get a Philly cheese steak. Yeah. Oh, you! I owe you big, Jason, for that hookup. I haven't really like Googled it and said, "Okay, where's the next near steak steak escape?" So, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Well, there you go, changing lives. 
It's right. Uh, it's right by okay. Kings. Well, I mean, it's Kings or Steak Escape. If I'm driving past, it's Steak Escape. So can't be a good. <laughs> you can't be a good Philly cheesesteak. I'm sorry. I just when I, that's like the thing when I go on my baseball trip. Like if I go to Philadelphia, like that's the thing I'm going to do is go to go to like Geno's in Philadelphia and get a cheesesteak. Nice. Oh man, can't argue with a good Philly cheesesteak. It's yeah. been too long. See, but they do it weird in Philadelphia. They put cheese whiz on it. They don't put like provolone or anything. Like I think that I saw that on Food Network. That's crazy. I, I, I'm like, I'm gonna try it. Like I'm like try it, like try it my way, and then try it their way, just to see which one's better. I mean, I've never had it with cheese whiz on it. I, I just saw that. And I was like, that's super weird. But it, <laughs> when in Rome, right? Right. We're off topic. We're talking about cheesesteaks at this point. I'm getting hungry. Um. But uh, so I think uh, if anybody has anything else to add, um, I think we can move on to um, our uh, favorite scene of the movie. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go first because I know what my favorite ones were. It all involved uh, the visual gags of Kevin Smith um, and Jason Mewes trying to uh, shut down the concert. So. <laughs> Those are so good. He's really good at uh, doing some visual comedy. I wish he had done more of you that. Like, you like movie. Fly, Fat-Ass Fly? Oh, so good. <laughs> fly, Fat-Ass Fly! <laughs> so good. I threw my back out humping your mom, Nooch. Uh, it's so it's so simple, <laughs> but I love it. I do it, but I threw, out your, I threw my back humping your mom, Nooch. <laughs> I, lo- I, I, love, I love Jason's just like asshole delivery on certain things. Like He's just like all right, cool. <laughs> but, just... but I think I think what makes it so great is the fact because there's no response right. to certain things that he says that are right. so fucked up. Like him saying, I threw my back out humping your mom. That's a funny thing to say. But the fact that you get zero response and he just like goes along with it, like, well, yeah, that checks out. That's so fucking funny. Like that's what makes it even better is because he's just like yeah that checks well, out. Well, it's kind of like that little it's kind of like that little like snipe at someone just like 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 a little jab like he's reading off instructions he's like I throw I do it but I throw my mom I throw my back up on your mom <laughs> like like it, it does, it's unnecessary at that point like he just doesn't want to do it but he just has to make an excuse and it's funny so uh, no that's that's good Viv. It, it, you enjoyed both the uh, the attempts the uh, the. The the sock full of quarters. <laughs> you charge at the floors of the sock full of quarters. <laughs> Doesn't he say he's like I'm gonna go? I'm gonna just watch from over here or some shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm gonna crack the floors on the head. <laughs> Which is a butch cast. I love that. that he's so fucking too. good. What's that? Uh, the floors. That's a butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid reference. Is that where that's from? I was like, why is that so familiar? Because the sheriff in that in that movie wore mm-hmm. wore a straw hat just like LaFleur's did. Ah, uh, okay. I gotcha. So yeah, Smith's always throwing references out there, man. I like it. Okay. Jason, no, what's I... your what's your favorite scene, buddy? I I love the nude fortune oh. teller scene. I think that shit's so fucking funny to me. Like, you just like the two parallel reactions, like when and when they flip, is so fucking funny to me. Like seeing like how he's the one guy's uncomfortable, and then like 
and then like she takes her shirt off and then like it's just like that those two different like things and then like the fact that he's all disgusted by the third nipple and then she fucking eats it or whatever at the end that shit's so fucking funny jason because we can ping pong off of each other about this scene that is actually my favorite scene too I was I was struggling because I love I love a lot of scenes in this movie. And I was I was wasn't watching. I'm struggling. I'm like, man, we're almost to the end. Like, I really don't have like a favorite favorite scene because everything's kind of outplaying each other um, as we go along in the movie. And I was debating. I was like, could it be the 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 chocolate covered pretzel scene, or <laughs> could it be this scene? And I saw that scene, and and I I the flip is always what gets me because. Muse is all excited, or not Muse, uh, uh, Lee is all excited to, um, to you know, see this topless fortune teller, and then, you know, um, Jeremy London's character, or T, uh, Quint, uh, TC, or TL, or T, whatever his name is, um, he, he's, he's all, like, mad, <laughs> yes. like, he's got to spend money, and, like, he doesn't want to do this, and then immediately his, like, the, the how he's like, how do you not see it? It's plain as day. <laughs> Oh, you have a third nipple. <laughs> I just find yeah. that banter right there just so. They, it, it, you're right. It is so good. That seed is so funny to me as well. Viv, what did you think of that it. scene? Uh, <laughs> probably one of my scenes that I was kind of like, it, it was cringy. <laughs> I was like, oof. You're cringing so, at boobs? Yeah, it was the third nipple. I was like, what? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I do it. <laughs> so I was like, I was more was like, oh, I'm waiting movie? for the next scene to start. <laughs> I need to get through. It this. made you cringe. <laughs> yeah, three nipples. Nope. <laughs> here on the here on the Know Your Cinema podcast, the rest of us, excluding Vivian, are all about body acceptance. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I, yes, you, I just, you, you, you. I think, uh, I, I, think I might have. I think I think I need to like come to your house and just play that scene and just see your reaction, like videotape that reaction for the Instagram page, just so I can see how you were cringing at the, at the third nipple. Yeah, no, I, I was just generally that that scene was. You know, I I get what uh, Kevin was was going for in that scene, but I was like, yeah, well, you know. Uh, not my favorite scene. I'll put it that way. I got you. I got you. Um, um favorite quote, gentlemen. Jason, I. What is my favorite quote of this movie? There's, there's a lot of really good quotes in this movie. I was just waiting on like the chocolate covered pretzel thing, because it is probably the thing that I would actually say the most out of this movie. But I think. I think for some reason, I, I don't know why, but I I love the quote, uh, like my grandma always said, why buy the cow when you can get the sex for free? I love that quote because it's so much not the actual <laughs> quote, and it's just so fucking funny that the, the way that it's flipped, it, ca- it catches me off guard every fucking time, and I love it. <clears throat> Viv? Um, I, this might be just a nostalgia of again of the 90s because i used to have one of these systems and i used to play it back in the day so it is a throwaway line just he he goes hell has no fury like a woman's scorned for sega i was like ah that's uh i used to play sega all the time i was like ah that's so good i know it's just a completely just a riff line but 
it it, it that that was a really good line for me and i know it's the whole movie's chock full of kevin smithams like that which i did enjoy okay okay yeah you, you, the sega reference like a little teardrop kind of came out of my eye because i loved playing sega um mm-hmm. back in the day um like give me golden axe on sega all day and i'm a happy man so i yeah uh, it, it 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 also aged me when i heard like an actual sega being played um and then seeing like the the you know 16-bit graphics there on the sega like same here kind of hurt my soul a little bit but uh now I, I i feel you on that one that's a good quote as well so my quote is when brody and um ts go to the comic shop to find out who is in the uh the comic book store and they get into that altercation and he says you fuckers <laughs> think just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit <laughs> that 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 might have been my follow-up one that's good that's a really good one too kick his ass steve <laughs> no you tell him steve dave <sighs> Oh, you tell him, Steve Dave. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. I love, uh, so the guy that's, that actually says that is yes, Walt that Flanagan. Yes, Walt Flanagan correct? and Brian Johnson. I, I thought that, that it was. I, it lo- I, I was almost a positive because I, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't fuck up the two particular people that it was. Uh, <clears throat> I love that there's a little, really tiny throwaway line in the movie where he says that the guy was faster than Walt Flanagan's yeah. dog. Which is a, which is an actual reference to Walt Flanagan's dog, and no one else would know right, that. Absolutely, I love that it's just a reference to. It's just like he put it in his movie, and it's just like a joke that he made exclusively to his friends. Yeah, but Walt, Walt Flanagan's referenced in a that. lot of, in, in a lot of the movies, so it's kind of funny. We 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 know who Walt now is, but at that point in time, we wouldn't have like known if we were watching it. You would have never known who Walt Flanagan was until Comic Book Men came out. Yeah, that that probably which which is underrated. Very much so. Very much so. All right, favorite performance, gentlemen. Huh. Well, I'll this go first. Good. Yeah, go ahead. I'll go first. Since I made you guys go first the last last two times, um, my favorite character is. Um, Mr. Spinning, uh, Michael Rooker's performance as Mr. Spinning. I know it's like, it's not, it's not like the funny parts, but I felt like he did such a good job at being a very evil character. And I thought like for a second, I'm like, did, did Kevin Smith make him look like Lex Luthor throughout the whole movie? I thought like, did he like tell him to shave his head and like try to make him yeah, because he's clearly sh- he clearly has shaven his head for this role. Like it's even it's it's not like it's not even made to look like his head right. is not shaven. So I thought like I thought like maybe that was like a Lex Luthor reference because he was wearing a suit most of the time and he's kind of a bigger guy and he's an authoritarian. He's very kind of intelligent. He's doing all these like mastermind plots. But I thought how he performed um, with that character, he didn't he didn't speed up his dialogue. He's very meticulous in what he was saying and, and delivering. Um, and I thought he just did a really, really good job uh, as far as his performance goes. I want to go with Michael Rooker as well. I, I think he was the 
best performance by far in the movie. Um, it, it felt the most, uh, it was definitely exaggerated, but it was the timing and the comedy and the delivery of the lines was spot on. It worked for me. I also want to give it to Kevin Smith too. I, I love when performers can, performers can do a scene, it has no dialogue and still communicate the exact intentions of that character and you can clearly tell what the character is trying to do and accomplish and just through facial expressions and body language you're like oh i clearly see what the goal is i'm seeing whether he's frustrated happy angry it's just it's cool because it's so uh it's um i don't know when, when you can do scenes without dialogue and it works it's beautiful and the performance is really selling it and kevin really does that in this movie i'm sure he does that in the other movies too Jason? Uh, my my favorite performance, I was it's been kind of a hard debate back and forth for me between uh, Kevin Smith and Jay Muse. I think I think for me, Clerks is a is a good movie, but I think this is the movie where those two become stars in their own right. I think before they're just, you know, they're they're side characters. They're not that big of a deal. They just have some funny things that happen. But I think this movie really showcases them as being like, I don't think we get as far in the rest of the viewers universe. If it wasn't for the two performances that they gave in right. this movie. I think, I think that there's, they're a little hot more highlighted <clears throat> in this movie and it, and it shows later on that, you know, that they became of course the stars of the franchise so I mean, but the, the, because in Clerks they weren't they weren't highlighted too much. I mean, you still got like the basis of the characters and how they're going to be. So I, I agree with you there on on that, Jason. Um. So I since you gave it to Kevin Smith, I'm going to give it to James. All right. Um, I th- he's so good that fucking just the just the random shit that comes out of his mouth and i i fucking love snoochie boochies god damn it i love that damn line <laughs> i just it's so stupid and it just i love it and it all like anytime i see even like like i follow jay on on like facebook and and different you know social medias and stuff and like he'll go like live on playing like fortnite or some shit and you'll just hear him like you know i'll scroll through and it'll like pull up the live video or whatever and then, like, he is killing people yelling snoochie boochies. And it's so fucking funny to me every time. Like, I don't know why, but it's just, I love, I love is that, that something shit. that he, is that his coinage or is he, is he borrowing that from somewhere? No, as far as I know, that's a, that's a J. Moose original, like Snoogans. Nice. Yeah. Snoogans. Yeah, that's basically like when, when Kevin, Kevin wanted Jay in his movies because he said he has to get this guy on film. Because this guy is crazy. And he's funny. He's one of the funniest guys he ever met. Because that's just Jay Muse being Jay Muse. Like when you when you watch uh Zach and Mary make a porno, that's Jason Muse. That's not that's not the character he's portraying. Smith had to when he thought of that character, he had to write that in for Jay Muse. Like that was like that you just had to have that guy in mind because that's exactly how he is. Absolutely. Like it's not a stretch for Jay Muse to play. And I mean, it's evident if you listen to like uh, 
No, not at all. It's, I mean, even if you look at, uh, like, there's episodes of Comic Book Men where Jason Mewes just comes to the shop. And, like, most of, like, everybody else is there to, like, you know, participate in the episode. Jason will just grab toys off the fucking shelves, open them, and play with them. Like, and that, like, it's, like, clear that it, like, it, it seems almost as if the camera catches him off guard because he's just playing with toys in the back room. Like, it doesn't seem like it's an on-purpose event that, like, that they're trying to capture. It just seems like authentically Jason Mewes. Right. A percent. Like, I don't know. Jason Mewes <clears throat> seems like the guy that like, I mean, you approach. Like, on the street, you could go up and shake his hand, and he wouldn't, like, punch you in the face or, like, and, like shoo you off like some big Hollywood actor. But he might even try to make you laugh. Like, he, he feels like that kind of person. I don't know him, but just watching him on Instagram and watching him, on 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 TV and watching him do interviews, I'm like, this guy is super. Looks like he's super approachable, just down to earth, but funny. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that there's 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 few there's very few celebrity celebrities that I feel like I would just go up to to say hi to because you know I like I, I try to respect people's you know their privacy and they just want to be out you know public doing their own thing. But I don't know why I just feel like. If I didn't go up to say hi, I would regret it because I don't think he would be upset about it. Like, I don't think it would ruin his day for me to be like, man, I absolutely love you. You know what I mean? Like, have a great day. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if I just walked up and was like, you know, I love all your movies. I think you're the funniest dude ever. You know, hope you have a great day. I don't think he's going to be upset. I think he's like, oh, man, I appreciate that. You know, let's get a couple photos in, you know. That's that's how I see him. All right, gentlemen, we've come to the moment of truth here on the first segments, um, the ratings. And Viv, since I don't want you to have any bias as far as ratings go, give us your rating on this movie. Okay. So given that I enjoyed the movie, uh, but had a quite a few reservations and I feel like the both the clerks movies and especially dogma are much better Kevin Smith movies very much so. uh I'm going to give this a 6.5 okay it's a little lower than I thought but okay I'll I'll, I'll uh I'll accept that um yeah I uh I'm gonna go ahead and go next I am gonna go with an eight on this movie I thought it was a great movie I love it. Um, don't have a whole lot of complaints or reservations. Yeah. It's an eight for me. Um, I, I too am going an eight. Um, again, not the best Kevin Smith work in my opinion. Uh, that is reserved for Clerks too. Um, but I do enjoy this movie. I enjoyed it more watching it as uh, someone who reviews movies now than I did as just being a fan. I tried to throw the fan. Fan fanboy mentality out the window for this one, um, and just watch it for what it was. Um, but I still laughed. I still had a good time. I caught other things that I didn't catch before. Um, I appreciated some of the acting again. Caught the dialogue, and that's what really kind of gives it an eight for me. Is the dialogue really being sped up? And again, I go back and say that that Smith's work is going. It gets it gets better, and I think that he understands the dialogue he can still get his point across without having to have people speed up the dialogue and it still feels real in his movies. So an eight, it is for me too. All right. Good. 
Well, gentlemen, it looks like we're at the end of segment one here. Um, does anybody else have anything to say before we close out this segment? Bueller? I think so. Bueller? <laughs> okay. All right, folks. Jason, do you have anything? Okay. Very good. No. All right, folks, we will be right back with segment two of Know Your Cinema Podcast, the Get to Know Know Your Cinema Podcast segment. Stay right there. All right, welcome back to segment two of Know Your Cinema Podcast. In this segment, as a reminder to our audience, we uh, ask questions to each of the hosts. So each of the hosts have a question for the others, and uh, this way you get to know us a little bit better. Having said that, have we decided which of us is going first? Uh, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and go first this week. Um, All right. So my question of the week is: We reviewed Mallrats, mm-hmm. and um, in the '80s and '90s, when malls were at their peaks, um, and I know Viv, for you, you weren't in the United States during the '80s and the early '90s, so this might be a kind of a gray area question for you. Um, but when the malls were at their peaks in that time frame, what was your like favorite thing to do or shop at the mall or, or something that you did there? What was your favorite thing about the mall? You know, uh, Jason, I'll actually let you go first. I actually came to the U.S. right in end of 99. So it was right at the end of the 90s. So yeah, I was in nine. So this is a tough question for me, too, because I was just a child. But the. Things the honestly the thing that I remember most about malls in the nineties are City Center had these glass the City Center Mall in, in Columbus had these glass elevators. And I remember those elevators being like fucking coolest thing in the world to like either watch people go up and down these glass elevators or ride in them myself was like the coolest thing that ever existed in the entire world. And then the only other thing that I can really remember uh, about the mall is when I uh, was younger, I used to collect, I still actually collect them, but uh, I haven't bought any new ones in a while, but I collect these little action figures called movie maniacs and they're just horror movie killers basically. And uh, I know I've picked up a couple of those at the mall and I remember collecting those at various toy shops and stuff. Cause they were hard to find in just Walmart and shit like that. You couldn't find them. You had to go to like more specialty toy shops to find them. So then- that was really what I, that's really all I remember from like the nineties. <laughs> Wait, is that, was that like stores like Spencer? Where you found Spencer's those? had them. Okay. Uh, Spencer's had them. Little, you know, toy stores had them. Because um, I collected them even when I was an adult and shit too. But like, and Spencer's had them. As I got older and stuff, Hot Topic began to carry them. Um, but see, I think I don't know. Like, when I go into like my teenage years, when I, which was like the early two thousands and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, st- the malls were still fucking cool then. And I still remember just going to walk around the mall and shit then. Um, I don't really remember doing much of anything other than dicking around and looking at Spencer's and, 
you know, everybody jokes about like, oh, I'm about to buy you this, you know, this card that's got these, you know, these old lady titties in it or some shit like that. Like, that was like the kind of things that we used to do. Just dick around at the mall. Not really anything productive, but kind of like mall rats. Yeah. Kind of like mall rats. <laughs> but yeah, a little the... bit later than the, the time period. Um, I I would venture to say the early two thousands were still still was like the prime time of malls. Nothing like it is today. So I I I remember hanging out with my friends, hanging out at the food court, just window shopping. Didn't have the money to buy anything, but obviously just fuck yeah, checking we didn't have no out. damn money. Was that? <laughs> I said fuck yeah, we didn't have no damn money. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, de- de- definitely just hang it out because you got nothing else to do. And um, uh, if you had a few extra dollars, maybe you'd uh, you know splurge in the food court or uh, or just uh, look at stuff that you eventually want to get one day when you actually make some money, have a side job, get some stuff. But it was just about hanging out. Really, is what the movie was about. And um, I think the movie captured that aspect of it was truthful. And my own experience of it was. It's just this. I, I don't think you have that now as much. I mean, you still have a couple of malls that survive and are still kind of going strong, but on the whole, malls are not a thing anymore. At least not. I mean, they was. exist. They just not. Yeah, they're just not. Ex- I mean, they exist and stuff. Like you know, I'll still take the kids to the mall. But like hell, when I like in the early two thousands and stuff, my I remember my one of my favorite things to do at malls or even fucking Walmart, wherever was to around Christmas time. I would always like my parents would always take us out to basically every fucking store in like a one day period. Right. Uh, And we would go to like Walmart target. We would go to the mall. We'd go everywhere and we would just be looking around at shit. And it was basically, it was a twofold situation. It was, it was all a ruse for them to actually buy us things that we wanted for Christmas, but they took us out as a way to quote unquote, figure out what we wanted to, to get for Christmas, you know, so they could kind of get an idea of what we liked. But in all reality, it was like my mom would distract us and then my dad would buy that shit and then like store it in the car. Oh, that's uh, that's actually, that's actually a really good idea. Uh, it was, yeah, it's a super genius idea, and it's one that I low-key try to implement with my own kids now that I have a You think the same thing will work if I try it with the Amazon page? <laughs> Fuck yeah, it works. Are you kidding me right now? If your kids ruin as young as they are, it's dead-ass works. You know what's great about the Amazon page now, though? So, like, because we constantly have an Amazon box at our house, there's always an Amazon box being delivered to my house. For some reason, so yeah. especially since Dylan runs her entire business through of like cosmetology stuff, so she'll buy different items like maybe it's gloves or or whatever it is that she needs. She can find a lot of it on Amazon. So a lot of times she'll order it from there because she can get it cheaper. So there's constantly Amazon boxes at my house. So during Christmas time. I never have to worry about my kids worried about what's in an Amazon box. They just leave that shit plain alone. Like I'll leave their Christmas gifts sitting around the house, knowing damn good and well that they'll never get in that shit. Sitting in plain sight. Yep. 
What about you, Devin? Okay, so mine's going to be a little bit more detailed than you guys. Um, my mall experiences all kind of center around um, the, 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 my main story here is and uh, I grew up in Southern Ohio. I was born in Athens, and uh, most of you know my life, my mom worked in Athens, um, and she worked very close in proximity to uh, two malls. She was actually Athens actually had two malls at one point in time. They had the Athens Mall and the University Mall. So Ooh. yeah, they're all no, they're Watch all the out, same, big right. They're on the same street. So um, where she worked, I could walk down the street to the Athens mall. And at the time it, it, it's completely changed. At the time there was an Ames, uh, shopping, uh, shop, shopping center. In there. If you remember Ames, Jason, I do not, you do not remember Ames. Okay. So it was like, a, it was like a Walmart type store. That Why do I remember Ames? I don't know. Kind of remember Ames. There was like one right in Canal. There was one in Canal, right? Yes. I went to it, but as it was closing. Yeah. They had their clothes off sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was an Ames there, and then the mall was just like it was like a straight shot. Like it was just one. Like it wasn't a mini. It wasn't a mini mall because the shot. It's it's now a mini mall, but the, there was actually the shops were inside, so it wasn't like you had the. It was like all front facing, you know, access to these shops. So in that mall, there was um, an ice cream parlor and an arcade. It, like in together like the ice cream parlor was on one side and the arcade was on the other so i would always go to the arcade and play arcade games etc and then there was a, a bookstore down there and that's where you know we would go and play magic the gathering uh we would also go <laughs> nerd nerd i know right and then we would go play half-life i say as i have my own deck on my table right you know we would, play, we would play Half-Life on, like, four computers at the bookstore. Like, they had, like, this is before, like, online gaming. So, we would play all play Half-Life, like, with four computers all, like, around each other. I loved Half-Life. It's so good. It's such a good game. And then the University Mall um, had a lot of the bigger stores, and then it had, like, at the time, it was, you know, it had a Kmart attached to it. There was a Big Bear grocery store down in the mm-hmm. in the... In the the, the 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 land the parking area i guess you could say but there was a big bear store there um there was also an elder bearman and um jc penny was also attached to it so it was the bigger of the two malls but the real reason i always went there because there were like there was no stores that really ever like got my there was what was called an aladdin's castle inside that mall which is like a huge arcade i don't know if you guys ever been to one or seen one um but that was the real reason that I, I would always go to that particular mall. And I could go to work with my mom in the summertime and I could walk to either mall and it just give me something to do all day. What is the name of the mall? Uh, it's the University Mall. I don't think it's called that anymore. I think it's called the... I think it's called the Market on State, Market on State Street. Okay. Because now there's like... There's all kinds of restaurants down on State Street now. There used to be like... Next to where my mom worked, it was a, it was like an air, it was an old airport runway, and they just can, they put a Walmart there now, and there's like uh, all kinds of eateries and another little little mini mall there. So it's completely. You know you're big shit when you get a Walmart. Yeah, I mean Athens didn't have a Walmart. I mean that was that was super strange that Athens didn't have one because it's it's you know one of the 
towns in southern Ohio. So <clears throat> it's got to be on the list of like highest populated towns in like top 10 pop highest populated towns in probably all of Ohio, you would think. Uh, yeah, because it's, te- it's technically a city, it's not a town. So I mean, its population has to think you're. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's got to be big. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not for sure what it ranks on the list. I'm sure, like, places like Youngstown and Cleveland and, and Akron, all these places have a higher population than Athens. I mean, it's got a pretty decent sized number as far as um, stuff like that goes. But, but yeah, that's, that's my mall story. And I always enjoyed going to the mall. And, you know, it's kind of just a thing to do when you're, you know, bored. There was no cell phones, there was no. We didn't have online gaming at the time. So, again, aging myself here. Yeah, I did notice that you were old as fuck when you were saying all that stuff. That was the thing that I noticed. Right? Jason <laughs> says it like he actually doesn't know any of this. Come on. Jason. I mean, he knows. He knows. When I start talking about, like, like my mom had a had a car phone, like a portable car phone that you, like, plug in. Like, the oh, cigarette nice. lighter. Yeah. So like, and you had to put the antenna on the top of the car, like it was ridiculous. Like that's how, uh, how old I am. Or CB radios, like I I thought CB radios were a commonplace in the household because my grandparents had one, my mom had one, like everybody had one that I knew growing up. No idea what you're talking about. You don't know what a CB radio? You don't know what a CB radio is? Nope. Okay. Is it like Sirius XM or no, something? No, I'm going to need you to Google that. Okay. <laughs> I need you to Google that, buddy. I'm not going to give. I'm not. Gonna There's no way you're not. You're you're not. You're not. Uh, you're not serious right now, right? What's that? That Vivian doesn't. Vivian doesn't he's, know. He's yeah, like he's he really has he has to know, right? He'll know as soon as he sees it, but he won't. He doesn't understand what we're saying about CB radios. CB radios yeah. were were like cell phones before there were cell phones. Isn't isn't like Smokey and the Bandit take place like half on a CB radio? Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, okay, that's what you yeah. mean. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, you had to reference a movie. Yeah, the, I think okay, the gotcha. reason that everybody had them was that you like you could get in contact with your neighbor, like you could just if they were on the same frequency, like if you knew what frequency they were always on, you could just get on the mic. <clears> and say, hey, hey, Ronald, which is my grandfather's name. Hey, or hey, Grandpa, what are you doing? And you know, there's like a way of communicating without having to use the phone. How far so it's is just like a really powerful radio. Steubenville's way up like north near Youngstown. Where I'm from is like in southern Ohio. Okay, I just don't know where the fuck I just don't know where Steubenville is. It's I just found I Googled Aladdin's Castle because what you said sounded awesome. Yeah. And then I found an Aladdin's Castle 1999 video arcade uh Steubenville mall tour, and they're just going around Aladdin's castle in this mall. Yeah, I think someone owned like owned Aladdin's castle and like put them in in malls throughout Ohio and maybe West Virginia. I think it's I think it's Namco actually that owned it. From okay. what it looks like, because it keeps every time I search Aladdin's castle, Namco keeps popping up. So, gotcha. I don't know gotcha. if that's correct or not, but maybe they had a deal with them or something. Maybe you had to put their arcade games in there. I mean, it was. It was yeah. almost like uh, you know how like you 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 when you used to go to, like Chuck E. Cheese, there'd be all like different kinds of games and, and arcade games you could play. I mean, you wouldn't get tickets or anything, That's, but I mean, it's still a lot like that at Chuck E. Cheese. 
I'm sure you haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese in a really long time, but yeah. as a person that has kids, I can assure you yeah, that it's pretty much been, the same. I haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese since my father was alive, and that was like 15 years ago. Before that, it was like one of my ki- one of my now grown nephews' birthday parties. That kid looks. There's a kid on here that looks like Minkus from uh, Boy Meets World. Oh, oh, rat tail! Oh shit! That's a Canadian mullet for anybody playing the home. Oh shit! That's the that's the Lance Storm of of mullets right there. Oh my god, my man had a and I, when I say rat tail, I'm talking my dude. My dude's rat tail was a solid twelve incher. I'd said some serious rat tail is. Oh, I know he had it. That was a fucking commitment. Whoo-wee. And he was you don't know what we're talking about when we talk about rat tails. Uh, hair on the back. Yeah, but it's not like, yeah. but it's not like it's just one one strip of long hair. It's not. <laughs> it's not like a whole long hair. It's it's like, not like a bullet. Yeah, it's just one piece. It's like a, it's like a spiked haircut, like a high and tight with the rat tail. Ew, that's okay. the Canadian mullet. No, huh. you're exactly right with the with the phrasing you used to describe it. It was correct. <laughs> but oh my god, my man's commitment to this rat tail was priceless. I'm about to send you guys this video. That's fine. <clears throat> that's fine. All right. Uh, moving on to question number two, uh, Viv. What is your question this week? Question is: Is there a movie? that you have watched that's changed your perspective. And this does not this does not pertain to just the movies that we watched on the podcast. It can be any movie that you watched that has changed your perspective. This was a tough question. I've been thinking about this since you proposed it like two hours ago. Same. And, and it is a fucking hard question. The only thing that came to mind, I've had two answers come to mind, and I don't think that they both fully effectively answer the question, but I'm going to give them anyway. Okay. So the two things that I recall most, uh, of two, two movies that I, I feel like changed my perspective, were both actually movies that were on this podcast. So the oh. first one <clears throat> would be The Godfather. And I feel like it changed my perspective on giving movies that I would previously not have thought to give a chance and a chance, even though I know the Godfather was supposed to be this huge masterpiece. I never wanted to give it the time of day because I felt like it was something that I wouldn't enjoy, but after watching it and thoroughly loving it, it really gave me this new perspective on like, not giving a fuck who was in a movie, what time period it took place, um, when it was filmed, any of that didn't matter um, because, you know, sometimes you find these movies that are just absolutely fucking gems uh, and and they wouldn't be something that you would normally want to see. So I, it that movie changed my perspective in that regard. And then Mad Max, the previous, the week right after, almost ruined that for me. <laughs> it just almost came and like just took it right out. Of <laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, 
you, you uh, almost, no, man, that, that seriously almost made me cry. That was that was good. I was like, man, that's that's what I hope for most people. I was like, you gotta give give those classics a chance, man. There are some real gems in there. Sometimes, yeah, no, hundred percent. Sometimes, and I, and the, yeah, it makes me want to watch some of the other ones that I know I've never seen, like like Twelve Angry Men and like Casablanca, you know, uh, Gone with the Wind, things like that that I know that I haven't seen, but just Gone like, with the Wind's an endurance trial. <laughs> You're gonna have to watch that in sections. I know that shit's like four hours long, isn't it? Oh my god. <clears throat> It, it is it is an endurance trial. We had to watch that. We had to read the book, and we had to watch it in school. God. Ugh. Um, but anyway, and then the other movie is Gone Girl. Uh, I feel like Gone Girl, when I first watched that movie, it, for some reason it just triggered something in me that made me feel like, like I didn't know people that were in my own life. Like it made me um, in some way question everything that I thought that I knew about people that were close to me. Like it, it fucking made me just double take on every, everything and everybody. So not anywhere is in depth, but it definitely, it made me question what people's motives were for every little action, how diabolical a human being could actually be. Just different things in that regard. Yeah, I think me and you have talked about that. I, I, I definitely... Yeah, Gone Girl is a... It'll do a number on you, especially the first time you see it. Right. Well, that... Uh, isn't may not be the best answer, but it's the best one I could come up with. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, so for me, uh, I grew up spending a lot of time with my grandfather, and my grandfather always talked about World War II, and you know, just the kind of the pride that he had in going and serving his country. Um, so that's why I have the utmost respect for anybody who goes over there and and risks their life for us as U.S. citizens. So. Um, cause it's, it's very selfish or self or selfish, selfless. It's a very selfless act of, for them to do. So, uh, when, you know, I didn't really understand kind of what he, you know, they were fighting for back then as a kid and, and didn't know, you know, the reasoning behind it and what, what they were doing to, to help people. So the first time I watched Schindler's list, I really thought about, uh, my grandfather, he was already passed away. And I thought about, you know, what he did and, and going over there and, and doing that and to, to, to help and save people. He didn't even know, he never met. Um, and it's a very powerful movie to watch and, and then put those two and two together. Um, so, I mean, I got, I got emotional watching it the first time, um, because of that and, and feeling a sense of honor and pride through my grandfather. Um, so that's the first one. We I know Jason doesn't watch Schindler's List, so I'm not trying to ruin anything. Um, but it is it is super moving for me, and I'm sure when we eventually watch it, um, it'll probably do the same same thing. I haven't watched it since um, because it, it really wrecked me in, in a very emotional way. So um, that's one. Number two is uh, the movie Forty Two about Jackie Robinson. 
And it changed me in a way that I knew going, you know, into the movie Jackie Robinson's, you know, story, his, you know, breaking the color barrier in baseball and, you know, changing the course of, of sports in America um, and race relations in America. And we're kind of going through that right now here in the country. Um, so when I, when I watched it, I didn't, I didn't understand what Jackie had went through just to get where he was um, and where he had come from to come to, you know, play baseball in like, you know, Southern, Southern States. And he wasn't accustomed to the racism that he had received because um, he grew up in California and that he never experienced anything like that going, you know, to Jim Crow walled States. So, and then to see his struggles of actually being just even on the team and how he changed not only his teammates' way of thinking for the majority part, but how he changed the, the entire country's way of thinking as well. So, like I said, it, it, it really moved me in a way to understand the complete spectrum of what Jackie had went through um, and... And, and took a lot on the chin just to to, to have equality. So and, and Jackie Robinson is, is the most respected man in, in all of sports for me. So that's the that's really the big reason why. I uh, I've been meaning to watch that movie, so on that recommendation I might have to get in there and watch that. I, I'll <laughs> second that. I, I've seen forty two, it's really good. Powerful yes. movie. Yeah, very, very, very. Powerful. Not, not just good. Powerful movie. Viv. Um, yeah, no, it's kind of surrounding those things that I've been kind of thinking about that, but I wanted to keep it still in the domain of you know our podcast, which is about movies. Uh, and I've been struggling with the question, even though I asked it, but a few movies that kind of changed the directions of my life is the ones I ended up picking. The first one I remember is watching the first movie I ever saw in theaters, which was Jurassic Park. Uh, so I was kind of done for. I mean, when you when you start out with Jurassic Park, it kind of explains why I became such a movie fanatic. Uh, I've been in love with movies ever since, and that movie definitely kind of crystallize the power of movies for me and how much it can kind of just transport you to a different time and place and just make things come to life that, you know, anything that's in your imagination can be brought to life. And when it's in the hand of a, just the greatest of storytellers, they can really, you know, uh, take you there in a way that even your own imagination sometimes comes up short. So for me, that was kind of the, the first big change. The next one was when I saw in my freshman year in a music class, I saw a movie called Amadeus um, and it was the story of, uh, of Mozart and his life and how he created his music. It's part of it is fictionalized, but the movie itself was just, it did something for me. And ever since then, I've been such a big fan of classical music and I understand wh- what the power of it is and why um, why those who do love it, why they love it so much and what the, um, and it kind of 
also tags along with why I love soundtracks also because there's a, obviously there's a real connection there. It's, and that has been a real love affair for me ever since I came, uh, came into watching that movie. Uh, and the last one, this one was the strangest one, but it just, I haven't watched it too many times ever since the first time I saw it in theaters because it just kind of tripped me up so bad. Um, it's a movie called Synecdoche, New York. Synecdoche? Um, syn- yeah, I, don't, I can't even say you the can't title. can't even say it. vault uh, or wheel. I can't even say vault. I, I'm, I'm still learning English. Um, but <laughs> so with my limited English, having watched that movie, it was just so yeah, Your English is um, fine. It's your pronunciation that's garbage. <laughs> um i saw it with uh one of my close friends and the movie i still can't describe what the movie is about though the best i can say is it's a movie about an artist who gets a grant to create a uh, like a mccarthy grant so he decides to create this theater piece about his own life but he makes it until it becomes so big that he ends up recreating all of New York inside a warehouse, but then he can't contain, but he can't stop. So the play, so he ends up, the the character that is playing him ends up casting another actor to play him. And it just keeps, it. it's so absurd and it just keeps going on. And you think it's supposed to be funny, but super sad and super depressing at times. It's a great Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. New York. Synecdoche, New York, yeah. It looks like it's called Synec Douche, New York. Douche. Douche. I remember seeing a preview. Synec Synec Douche, New York. So, uh, they actually did, they, to... they did a episode of Community based on this movie. Did they? I've do never seen this movie. Uh, I've never seen this movie, but I do know that they did an episode based on it, or at least a lot based. It, or it seems it seems based on it, based on the way you described what this movie's about. Yeah. Um, yeah I, and I have done a terrible job job describing the movie, but. Uh, there's a move. There's an episode where Abed does a movie called Abed. And, oh, that's like an early episode, right? Um, where he shows it to his father. No, 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 no. This is like one where everybody keeps calling him a gene. Then, like, it becomes like larger than himself, and like, you know, everybody thinks that he's just this amazing thing. And it's kind of like it plays similar in the way that you're saying. Um, okay. Okay. You know what? I'll just read out the definition of synecdoche or synec, however you want to say synecdoche. it. It's a figure of speech in which a part is made to represent the whole or vice versa. And that pretty much sums up the movie. Uh, it's, it's a super strange movie and I could not even like talk about it after like the first hour or so, like me and my friend, we watched it, we came out, we were like, and we just, just stayed silent for a while. We were like, okay, this is one of the weirdest experiences that we ever had. It was great. And we didn't even watch the movie again for the next 10 years. I still, I started playing it once a couple of years ago and I was like, nope, I can't do it. Uh, so 
I still haven't gone back and watched the movie, but that that move that one time watching it more than a decade ago has left like a real strong Man, impression on me. Fucked you up. Yeah, yes, it did. <laughs> and then the fact that he he died a couple of years ago just made it worse for me because the movie kind of deals with all kinds of just death and tragedy and just how everything is just super hopeless. And he's trying to fix everything by kind of making this big giant theater piece. And it's just all hopeless because in the end he still ends up dying and turns out Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman's actual life ended up being a tragedy. And I'm like, ah, this is just, I, I can't even think about it anymore. I got you. I got you. All right, Jason, it's your question, sir. Jason, are you there, buddy? Are you catching up on sleep? Sorry about that. Um, it's episode five of season two. Oh, okay. It, episode five of season two. Okay. The, okay. okay, we should be getting Masonic that. Masonic Mists and Ancient Peoples. Nice. We are halfway through season one, so we should be getting there soon. I mean, um, no, I, I've seen it before, but uh, for bad. Right. Um, is she still loving community? Rather? Yeah, she is. Good. Good. Happy to report. All right. So um, my question is, what is a scene in a movie that makes you sick to your stomach? Hmm. I have an answer to this question, so if either of you can't come up with them, and I can answer first, give you one. I, I have one. <laughs> All right, I'll just go. Might not be what you guys are expecting. So, Frozen, right? <laughs> <laughs> just message. <laughs> Uh, oh man! So no, my real answer is uh, the Passion of the Christ. Okay. There's a well. The whole the whole movie, as is well known, the whole the whole movie is an extended torture scene. Um, which but it's okay as a religious person. I I I understand what thematically what it's going for. It's kind of like how Devlin was talking about, you know, when you he knew the story of Jackie Robinson, but then he watched the movie and that kind of gave him an actual understanding. And I think that's what Patch the Christ is doing. It's really kind of, I mean, I always knew the sanitized, sanitized version of the story of Christ, but the movie kind of ripped that that kind of a uh, clean cut version of the story and and kind of gave an idea of if you, if you're a believer it kind of gives you a uh well when it when when the story talks about well he goes through the suffering it gives you an idea of what exactly that meant and there's this whole sequence it's nearly 30 minutes long where after Jesus is first arrested and he's taken he's brought in front of the uh, Roman soldiers 
uh, and uh, he's questioned. And then I think, I don't know if this is before or after Pilot kind of washes his hands. I think it's before. They give his first kind of extended beating. And one of them is they use this chain that has like hooks at the end. And it's there's this cat sequence where tails? it goes into it. What's the that? Whip? You're talking about the cat and nine tails? Yeah, I, sorry, I don't know my torch that was that well. Uh, it goes into the back of his flesh and just pulls the back out. It, it, it's. I understand that there are movies with torture scenes, but because of the subject matter it was dealing with, and especially at that time, I was like a super religious person. It kind of really just shook me to the core and it is still pretty horrifying to watch the sequence um but when you asked the question that was immediately the movie i went to i'm sure there are other movies that i watched that have disgusted me more but this was more of a it's the mix of the imagery and the subject matter that really got to me and i i don't mean that in a bad way it just was a uh, yeah, it's, I don't know how else to put it. That's, I don't mean that in a bad way, but yeah, it definitely was a, uh, a impactful experience. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Impactful experience. Yeah. So the scene that gets me is from my favorite horror franchise, which is uh phantasm. And it's always, since I was a little kid, always, I don't know why, it makes me nauseous every time I see it. Um, but there's a, a scene in one of the Phantasms where um, one of the characters, Reggie, is fighting off uh, one of the de- one of the, the bad guys. And uh, somehow, he, the, the tall man, which is the main bad guy, he has... Uh, he has yellow blood, so it's it's just very it's odd when they really finally you know, make him bleed like there's yellow blood. So that's what you see visually. And Reggie ends up like getting the tall man to like basically like ble- bleed out a lot through using one of the um, the spheres, which is one of the tall man's um, weapons that he uses, They're, like flying spheres. Super interesting horror movie if you ever get a chance to watch it. Um, but it, it shoots out and it goes in Reggie's mouth. Like the yellow blood goes in Reggie's mouth and it's just so disgusting to me. I don't know why I get sick, but I, I get nauseous every time I see that scene. No, no. This is called Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's, it's in one of the movies. So I can't remember which movie it, it, that particular scene is in. I know it's not in the first one. So I can't think it's in three, four, uh, or five, two, three, four or five. So. Um, but yeah, every time I, I just recently watched them too. And I'm like, oh my God, I get, I'm like, I get nauseous every time I see this thing. But when the first time I watched it as a kid, I think it's two, cause that's the first one I watched in the series. And, uh, I was like, like, oh, that's just disgusting. What is that? Like, but it's his blood. And I was, it's just, yeah, it just looks like, it looks like baby shit. <laughs> Dope. Right. So I was like, it, it just oh. foul, like just. I don't know why it turns my stomach, but it does. 
Way to bring it home, Devlin. Yeah. That analogy was too close to home. Yeah, that shit hit too hard, bro. Sorry, man. That shit hit too hard. Sorry, man. Uh. <laughs> it's like, well, like I said, when you, if you watch the movie, if you guys get a chance to watch the movie, one of you do, then you'll know what I'm talking about. As soon as you see it, you'll be like, oh, that's what Devlin was talking about. Oh. Okay. So it looks like all of our questions have gotten answered. Um, Except for. Hey, Jason, oh, you have answered? I have not answered mine. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Y'all are always trying to cut me out of shit for real. My bad. There was a, there was a long <laughs> pause there. I thought we were all done there. I was yawning. Can a motherfucker yawn one time? Nope. Uh, hey, hey, while you're yawning, while you're yawning, I'm going to do a quick uh, runner-up plug-in for the Korean movie Old Boy. If I don't want to mention anything oh. because it'll spoil it, that uh, one has a couple uh, of disturbing scenes. Uh, that, the Korean version, yeah, yes. More than one. Yes, Ugh. more than one. Super disturbing movie. Um, Super disturbing movie. So y'all went a little different than I did on this movie, on this question. <laughs> uh, did you go frozen? I didn't go frozen. Uh, I didn't go far from frozen, though. Uh, uh, the movie, the scenes that are in a movie that make me gross, or just sick to my stomach, are in the movie Osmosis Jones. Uh Every time Bill Murray eats some shit on the the scene in Osmosis Jones, which is what he does most every fucking scene, I am so disgusted. And then there's one scene where he a, a zit pops on his fucking forehead, and then some of the zit lands on this woman's mouth. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> I can't handle that shit at all. And just talking Wait, about it makes on. me fucking grossed out. Wait a minute. Was this a movie that was on your mind? When you I think that he question? was probably referring no, to was... the scene in Mallrats where Spinning eats the, the chocolate-covered oh, pretzel, okay. which is my runner-up scene. Because there's that Kevin oh, Smith yeah. does the close-up. And I'm like, oh my god. Oh. It's more like the fact that like there's, there's actual chunks of, of pretzel in his mouth. That make me more nauseous than the fact that he's basically just eating sweaty, shit-covered fingers. <coughs> yeah, that is super gross. But no, it's because in between recording, right before I had we recorded this segment, in between the recording and this segment, I had to help my son clean up some fucking puke. Because uh, I was going to have a completely different question. Uh, which was going to be about movies and TV shows and what TV show you would like to be seen made into a movie and what movie you would like to be like to be seen made into a TV show. So it was going to be a very different question, which I'll save that for next week. Um, but fucking then the puke happened, and I was like, man, what is a scene in a movie that makes me want to puke? And then I was like, oh, the entirety of Osmosis Jones that's not animated. Ugh. Yeah, I can't. I can't handle. I can't handle puke at all. Like I can't like handle a lot of things. I'm not. That's not the something I can handle. Like cleaning it up, nothing. I can't. I can't be around it. Like I got sick thinking about yeah, you I having to clean up kids puke. I'm like, oh, gross. Well, he he had to clean that shit up 
for the most part because he fucking made himself puke, and I kept telling him to quit playing around. <laughs> so I was like, what? I was like, fuck that, dude. I ain't cleaning that shit up. That ain't me. Did he try the Ipecac challenge? No, uh, he was like, uh, he's eight years old and wanted to puke over eating a damn bite of macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Like, it was the grossest thing he had ever eaten in his life. He put it in his mouth and then, like, tried to, like, take a drink and then, like, half swallow it like he was going to take a pill or some shit. And then just, like, chewed it a couple of times. And then it was like, and I was like, dude, quit doing that shit. Just chew the shit and eat it and just go the fuck to sleep. And he was like, and then I was like, all right, dude, I'm done. If you puke, you're cleaning that shit up. And then he was like, Bleh! and I was like, fuck y'all, you doing that shit. I ain't even, uh, I'm done. Uh, <sighs> oh, no, you're so And then I thought about it most of the Yeah, indeed. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Well, I always, I think Osmosis Jones is the best movie related to bodily grossness that exists. Oh, I forgot there is another. There is one more. I, I I just remembered it. So you guys have never seen the movie Sleepaway Camp, have you? It's a it's a horror movie as well. Are you going to talk about the end reveal? Not the end reveal. No, 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 hell no. I'm not telling you the end reveal. Um. So in in the second part of of the Sleepaway Camp series, there's a killing, and um, the girl actually gets put into an outhouse. And the other girl, the killer, actually holds her head with a stick underwater. And oh, you got me fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's a bad oh. one. <laughs> that's a bad one. I'd rather just you kill me. Oh my god, I'd rather you just kill me. Did she dr- Did she drown her in the shit water? Yes. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Okay. I am never watching Sleepaway Camp too because I'll puke all over a TV <laughs> on that shit. Yeah, that crazy. is so gross. Yeah, it's there is a. I don't know why this made me think of another scene from another movie that I'll have to bring up just because it's the most amazing scene ever. But it's not a gross scene. Uh, but for some reason, it made me think about it. There's a scene in this movie called Mr. Jingles that I'm gonna watch on my friend uh, JB's podcast with him. Uh, that is very hard to find, and in order to find it, we had to buy copies off of it on Amazon, like actual physical copies, to get this movie. But you can watch it on YouTube in like seven parts. It's the shittiest movie that has ever been made about a killer clown, right? Not true. But the reason I Not love true. this movie... Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, no. No, Killer Clowns from Outer Space makes this... Looks like the fucking Godfather compared to this movie. <laughs> um, Oh, like I, I dead ass. So yeah, there's the link to you guys uh, for that scene if you want to watch. <laughs> oh no, I'm real good on that. Um, so there's a scene in I, Mr. Jingles was made on like three dollars. Like I'm pretty sure everything in this movie was just some shit they had laying around. <clears throat> so there's a scene in this movie where uh, they're in this. I think it's a graveyard. Uh, are supposed to be, but it's just like an open field on top of a hill. And uh, this clown appears, and there's two dudes, and one dude, the dudes start running, right? Well, one dude does not get away from Mr. Jingles, and the other dude is running down the hill. 
and <clears throat> Mr. Jingles cuts the dick off of the guy at the top of the hill and throws it at his buddy who's who's running down the hill. But what's amazing about it is <laughs> I'm entertained. The dick, this that flies through, the dick that flies through the air is the most single color basic dildo you've ever seen in your <laughs> life that flies through the air. And and he throws a perfect spiral like fucking Brett Favre down this hill <laughs> with a dick, right? And it's it's flopping and it's in slow motion. It's the greatest scene I've ever seen ever. And they put like a little bit of red corn syrup on it. And then it smacks the other dude in the back of the fucking head. And then he falls over and Mr. Jingles is able to catch up to him. I'm telling you, it is the greatest scene. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm super entertained by that. By that visual that you just gave me of, of getting bean in the back of the head with a flying fly. When I'm done, what the hell did I just listen when, to? When I'm done watching the movie, Dev, I'll give it to you so you can watch it. It is so bad. Like it is. Like imagine, imagine like it's got to be like a film school horror movie project that somebody was trying to put together. But like imagine the film school was put on by like like some dude in an alleyway. Like it is so fucking atrocious. It's like like the guy who made the room, if that dude did a film school. Um <laughs> and then this guy entered in a horror film as his final project from uh what's his name? Tommy Wusso's uh film school. Yeah. That's what Mr. Jingles is. So bad. There's a scene in the movie where a girl who's supposed to be a little girl, who's clearly like 28, uh, is in a in a uh, a closet hiding from Mr. Jingles because her parents just got killed, and she pees her pants. But you can clearly see them dumping water on her pants. <clears throat> why like, would you just? It's why, wait, real I, bad. I, I'm, why would you just pee your pants? I I don't know, but what's I don't even know if the, like the dumping water on the pants part is even isn't even as bad as the fact that she's supposed to be playing like an eleven year old girl and she's clearly almost thirty. <laughs> Shit. <clears throat> like, cause like you know how like they re, like and then like later on they show like fifteen years later and then Mr. Jingles comes back, like it's the same chick. All right. So, so there's like they didn't get a, a younger person to play the 15 years ago person. It's just the same girl with the same hairstyle in a different outfit. Oh my god, that's it. Oh, so it's a masterpiece of terrible cinema. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> we got to get to segment three, gentlemen. Anything else before we leave segment two? Nope. We uh, we are leaving it in a very disgusting place. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm sorry, we'll guys. See you, we'll see you right back for <laughs> segment three. Hello, and welcome back to the Know Your Cinema podcast, our third and final segment, The Wheel of Movie Fate. In this segment, we spin... A giant circus wheel of death filled with 10 spots, <clears throat> each containing three movies of, ugh, 
each of the nine of those spots containing three movies that each of us have not seen, and the tenth and final spot containing a you pick section where you, the wonderful audience at home, gets to choose from the nine movies on our wheel of movie fate and pick which movie we will watch next. This actually just happened in the previous episode for the Shawshank Redemption. That's how we ended up watching that movie. If you would like to participate in said uh, uh, voting proceedings, then you all need to follow us on our social medias. Um, that would be facebook.com slash KYC podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at KYC podcast. So you can uh, be a part of all of the shenanigans. Yes. Now, and if you do, further... do you like a picture or if you do see the picture for the voting, leave a vote. Don't just leave a like, vote. Leave us a comment of the movie you want to see if it happens to pop up on wheel. I noticed that the last time we happened on the Shawshank that we had people liking the, the post, but they didn't leave a comment saying what their what movie they picked. They that we had like seventy, I think maybe eighty some likes, and we had no votes on that Instagram post. So, just a friendly reminder that we want you to vote. We want we want your voice to be heard and picking that movie if the slot comes up for you guys because this podcast is for you guys the fans so didn't mean to cut you off there jason i just want to kind of throw that out there no by all means i agree uh voting is good that's how we get things done yes real change requires votes dun 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 all right all right, spin that giant spiky. He's gonna tell us wheel. the movies first, you jerk. You want to know what's on the wheel, or do you just want me to spin it and then just pick whatever comes up? Geez, we haven't <laughs> even added your movie yet. Yeah, Jason probably should let us know what yeah. the movies are. Yeah, I guess in that case, I'll let everybody know. Um, all right, fine. Movie, Be that the, way. The three movies on the wheel that Devlin has not seen are Harry Potter three, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, Frozen and The Social Network. The three movies on the wheel that I have not seen are Goodfellas, JFK, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And the three movies that our good friend Vivin has not seen are Ready to Rumble, Frailty, and we are replacing Mallrats with Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. Whoa. I did not see that coming. You liar. <laughs> Noochie boochies. Noochie boochies. <clears throat> so, without any further ado, the moment you've all been waiting for the Wheel of Movie Fates. All right. Ooh, Devlin, you've been waiting on this one, buddy. Frozen. Bye. Oh, no. This Frozen. week, we're going, we're going dark. We're going to watch Frailty. Oh, nice. Oh. Oh, man, I have been waiting on this one. I, I'm, I've been waiting on this one for a long time. I don't know how long it's been on the wheel. It's been on there for a while. Um, this was a movie that we added like in during Halloween. That's like probably like episode four, 
or two or three because we started in September, late September. So it had to be yeah. it had to be one of the first movies put put on Viv's list. Wow. Yeah. Back in the day. So yeah, that's been on there for a while. So frailty, awesome. Um, then Viv, you've never seen frailty. I have never seen frailty. Man. I have heard you talk about it a lot, but I've never seen it. Yeah, this uh, this is a, this was a very for me discovering this movie was very kind of like someone mentioned it to me, and I was like, "Who's in it?" And then they told me, and I'm like, "What? When did this come out?" Like, I never even heard of it. And then I watched it, and I'm like, "How the fuck did this movie not make a lot Wait. of money?" Wait, Bill Paxton was the director? Yes. Yeah. He's also he also acted in it. Wow. You can't okay. be you can't be reading anything on this movie. Put get off yeah, the computer. All right, all right, all right, sorry. The, sorry, sorry. That's cheating. What are you doing? I just wanted to know like we you could know. you could ask. You can ask questions. All right, fine. You ask questions. What the fuck is wrong? You see with your eyes, not with your hands on Google. Okay. <laughs> just for that, just for that you have to be penalized. You have to say go fuck yourself this week. No. <laughs> First off, I'll it's try. actually in our bylaws. It's in, in yeah, the bylaws. Wait, wait a minute. We do things. We do things democratically here. Jason, I I propose that Vivin has to say "go fuck yourself" this week as a penalty for for looking up movies on his. On his First off, I was trying to I was trying to get ahead and figure out where I can watch the movie. All right, Objection. because I don't clearly own the Objection. movie. <laughs> Object, Jason. Object. We're voting Sustained. on this. Jason. Sustained. I uh, I believe. That we are, I second your motion. Thank you. That they've been one vote. Says go fuck yourself. Arya, can you say no? <laughs> she's she's you're, too, you're, too yeah, busy with her with her Minnie Mouse purse. Yeah, she's got other things on her mind. She has actual priorities, <laughs> unlike us. <laughs> so yeah, Bill Bill Paxton yeah. actually did direct this, and he did he did he he did play a role in it as well. So. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, no, it's. it's I'm a big it's, fan it's of Bill Black. Super Paxton, good movie, so. super dark, but I'm oh, I'm so looking forward to talking. I'm like, I might go watch this right now. <laughs> I'm pulling a Jason from last week. I'm like, go watch this some bitch right now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I'm actually. I'm excited to watch this one too. I've been waiting for it to come up. It's it's a sleeper gem, I think, in my opinion. It is. It's one of those ones where, like, if I'm talking to just. A, a random person. They're like me back in the day. They never heard of it. Never heard of it. They don't even know that Matthew McConaughey played in this movie. It was so just like it wasn't successful. And I and I don't even know if it was in a lot of theaters, but it just didn't it it never reached people like it should have. I don't and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean it only made seventeen million dollars. Whoa. That's uh that's yeah, that's pretty low for a for a studio on a, on a budget of eleven. Yeah, still that's pretty low. I mean, that's 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 kind of considered an indie film, but still, that's wow. Okay, I, I, I'm excited to yeah, see it. it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch it too. Very much. So. I don't remember why I ended up watching this movie. Probably just because it's a horror movie, and I love Matthew McConaughey. Yes, I think this is the first McConaughey movie we've watched on this podcast. Uh, yeah, because we didn't get dazed and confused on on the four twenty episodes. I don't know if a lot of us have not seen a a lot of McCon- seen a lot of McConaughey stuff. So, 
I still vote that we should be able to put the entire series of his Lincoln commercials on here. <laughs> Did you finally get to see the fishing one? Did you finally get to see that one, Jason? No, I'm Googling that shit right now. <laughs> the Lincoln, where he, he just sits in the back of the Lincoln when he's at the lake and it's like fishing and he's like got a couple lines. It's like the best one. But wait till we're done with this episode, though, so that way you can do it. We don't overhear that on the on the recording. Okay, I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it right now. But I'm just. Oh, you just get it prepared. I'm just queuing it up. Yeah, okay? I'm just I'm queuing it up. Yeah, I'm... you should live feed that on your TikTok since you're famous. I am a little bit famous, but it's true. Let's uh, since we've got the movie, we've talked about it a little bit. Let's wrap up segment three and take this home. So, Jason, you always give the spiel at the end. Do your thing, sir. The all-new 2020 Lincoln Navigator. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got to do it in Matthew McConaughey. Boy. Hey. Hey. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. All right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, you know, this was a, uh, this is a, it's a crazy time in history that we're all experiencing right now. And uh, I know sometimes it's important for us to just take some time to enjoy some of the simpler things in life, like watching a movie with your friends and talking about it. And <clears throat> hopefully that we were able to provide some of that escape for some of you with this episode. And we hope to continue to be that source of escape um, as long as it's needed. Um, and we truly hope that you guys have as much fun listening to these episodes as we do making them. Um, we absolutely love each and every one of you so much for, uh, for taking the time out of your day to listen to us talk about fucking something that we like, you know, something that we love, something that we're passionate about. And, uh, so from the bottom of our hearts, we absolutely love you. And on this podcast, if this is your first time listening, this is we we uh, we say that a little uh, a little differently than some. So from the bottom of our hearts, with as much love as possible, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Viv. Yes, you gotta say it now. Doville abides. No, that's not what is agreed upon. We voted. You have to say it, or you're 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 cheating. You cheater. <laughs> Fine, go f yourself. No, no, that's not. You can't get off on no technicality. You gotta say it to the T. No, I can't do that. What do you mean? You His daughter's that? in the room. I'll let it slide. Thank oh, you, Jason. I was boo. Jason, always to the rescue. Thank you. Boo, <laughs> boo earns. I think I felt like this. I, if, but if I can get that one, if I can, as a, as letting it slide, can I get it with some? With some gravitas, I'll let that statement slide, but give it to me with some gravitas. All right, I'll let that statement slide. You know what the fuck I'm talking about, man. Don't bullshit me. <laughs> take it back. Take, make him say it, Jason. Take it back. I'm about to. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I'm too tired. What are you talking about?
<laughs> Can I get a hard go F yourself? You know what I mean? Just give it to me with like from your soul. Yeah, just dig down in deep that, in there. In that sweet southern Indian accent of yours. <clears throat> I want you to feel it down in your plums. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta I gotta start at the McConaughey to get southern. The farmers market. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to also <laughs> discipline my child <laughs> while saying this line and not wake up the cat and the wife and the other kid. All right. Jason, Devlin, and all listeners, go F yourself. How's that? I'll accept it. All right, fine. I'll accept it. No more cheating. <laughs> All right, well, I love you right. guys. Uh, it's time for me to go to sleep. All right. Enjoy your night, listeners. Have a have a, have a wonderful week, and uh, make sure you're very kind to each other, love each other, hug your friends, hug your neighbors, hug your family. And uh, normally I'm not too serious on here, but, you know, in the times we're in right now, I am going to be serious for a second. So I, I, I will you. add one caveat. Please do not hug your neighbors yet. COVID is still a thing. Uh, <laughs> wear gloves and a mask. Wear, wear gloves and a mask. Take a shower afterwards. But show people show people some love. That's, no, show but uh, love. absolutely. I, I, I completely second I'm gonna, that. I'm going to go walk over to Vivian's house right now, beat on his door, and then <laughs> hug him. Bare-chested. Nipple. Just, <laughs> just gloves, just gloves and a mask on, and maybe a banana hammock. Uh, That's it. I, no, I think the big hand. I think the. I think anything other than gloves and a mask is too much. In my <laughs> I'll put my wrestling boots on. Maybe that'll work. Yeah. I don't want to get arrested or accosted while walking to Vivian's house through the park. Thank you. Fair. I I have nothing to say. Yeah, exactly. I'll uh, I'll leave the door unlocked. <laughs> Are you leaving the door unlocked? <laughs> Beth will be super frightened if I, if she sees me standing at the door. Uh, all right, but I, yes, I think... I, but but yes, guys. In all seriousness, love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your family. Jason, I hope you have that baby this week. Um, and give Skyler my best and your kids my best. Viv, you do the same as well. Same here, Jason. Same to you, Devlin. I can give I give Piper some loves for you, but perfect. I need that. Same here. Same here. Everybody, as everybody loves somebody. As it was said, best. Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Best way to end <laughs> Jack this. Jack and Moon. Everybody loves somebody. Jack and Moon. Everybody, every, everybody love everybody. <laughs> See that? Right. Well, it says love. I love you guys. Take care. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>